Hi, welcome to the Sun Grove Podcast. We're so glad you decided to click and listen to this video. I hope it's encouraging to you wherever you are and draws you closer to Christ this week. If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we sit here, I stand here, completely humbled at the distance between us and you. And Father, for this passage, can you please speak and make my words be clear? so that we can all walk out of here changed and be more like your son. And thank you for your book as it guides and directs our lives. Pray this in your son's name. Everyone said, amen. amen. I'm a very competitive person. Any competitive people in here, raise your hand. First one, raise your hand. Yes, you win. How do you feel? Yeah. She's like, woo. All right. If you're a competitive person, you're like, yeah, that's awesome. She totally won. Everyone else is like, what was that? <laughs> Why'd you even play? Um, how, how many people in here don't like competitive people? Okay, you just raised your hand and literally said, you don't like me. Do you realize you just did that? In church. Okay. I'm a competitive person and, and I played a lot of competitive sports and I, I have to just confess to you that I'm, I'm a pretty good loser. I have a lot of experience. I've lost lots. <laughs> you guys are all, they're laughing. They're like, oh, we can see that. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but I'm not a great winner. And what do I mean by that? I'm... Um, I learned somewhere along the way that there's this mental part of competitive sports that if you can mess with somebody mentally, get them off their game, they're just not gonna play as well. So let's just say I would win a couple of games in a row and I may or may not, well, yeah, I definitely did, <laughs> um, create a song, maybe more of a victory chant. So now in just a minute, I'm gonna give you my chant, but it's gonna mean nothing to you unless you imagine that you wanted to win whatever it was we were doing. So for some of you who are competitive, I don't care if it's a board game, card game, you don't even care. You wanna win every time, you're like me. Non-competitive people. Um, 
Maybe uh, when you went to my house, we went to your house, your house was cleaner. I don't know, anybody, <laughs> when you ever talk, guys, when you go into a room like, oh, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? And you, this guy gets to be like the Trump card. Oh, well, I'm Trump. Okay, what, whatever your thing is, you're, you see what I'm saying? Try to imagine you wanted to win, and I come in, and I just beat you. Then I beat you again, then I beat you again, and here's the song. I always win, I always win, I always win, 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 I always win. Thank you. <laughs> now, you got to give it up for that. Now, here's the problem. If you're a competitive person and you just lost to me multiple times, how do you feel when I sing that song? I have watched very godly men who you all, if I said their names, would respect, break $100 sunglasses, their $100 sunglasses in frustration. And to me, that's like double victory. <laughs> like, that was so dumb. Why did you do that? And, and let me tell you, I can tell a story like that as a pastor, and you can look at me and can say, Mike, guys standing up there, they tell us failure stories, but that's from like 30 years ago. Well, let me tell you the last time I was tempted to sing the song. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Um, we're at our student, high school student leadership retreat, and you're thinking, oh, this is when you want to sing your song? That's me. I'm just here being real. This is me. I'm a messed up dude. <laughs> so over the last few years, I've been very involved with Fireworks Booth. Raise your hand, Fireworks Booth. Everyone signed up? All right. If you haven't yet, today's the day. But one of the things that happens at Fireworks Booth is a guy named Bob. I don't know if you know Bob Kramer, but Bob Kramer <laughs> is like in charge of schlepping things from here to there, and he's always hooking up the trailer and unhooking it. Well, I have, throughout the years, been Bob's second many times, where he's backing up, and he's got the truck coming back, and I'm telling him, no, move this way, this much, this much, this much, stop, you're good. He comes out, he looks, he's like, Mike, that's terrible. I'm all, terrible, I'm not driving. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we've done this repeatedly, but now it's my turn. I have to back my car up, uh, to hook up the trailer with all these students are watching and Bob's standing there watching. He takes the position of the second guy. He's ready to do this to me. What Bob doesn't know is that I have a camera on the back of my car now. And for whatever reason, my car with the tow package has a computer guided hookup thing. So it tells me, oh no, move a little bit right this far. And as soon as I have it perfect, it goes beep. And I know stop, put it in park. <laughs> he knows it's coming. Um, I go back as fast as I can. And I'm going, this is my chance to like do the fastest hookup ever. And I'm not kidding you. I went as fast as I could go. I didn't slam on the brakes at the end, but I did as quick as I could, shoved it in park, and I got out. Now, Bob has done nothing. Not one of these, one of these, one of these. And he's just standing there looking at it going... <laughs> I run out of the car. Now, I don't really run, but a mic run out of the car. <laughs> and I go over. I throw the thing down. I spin as fast as I can, kick the little brick off and go like this. Hey, Bob. And I pat him on the side. Thanks for the help. And I walked away. <laughs> I win fastest trailer hookup. Agreed? <laughs> Bob, do you want the song? Bob, do you want the song in church? No, I won't do it to you. <laughs> but I'm a competitive person. And I think about that song, I Always Win, and I think about our world and what it's become. You know, in the times of the Bible, when they were writing these things and talking about these things, there were kingdoms, and there were kings and authorities, and they would rule over their little world. And if you look at it now, each of us 
has our own little fiefdom now. Each of us has our own little spot at your vanity. Some of you even have like the husband has one side, the wife has the other. We have our own little worlds and we control those worlds. We know it's in each drawer. We have our own side of the bed. We have our own closet and we all know this is my area and this is my wife's area. Okay, all right. When I look at a passage like we just read, I'm constantly wondering what the people thought when they read that compared to when I read it. Compared to when I read it. Today we're going to jump in and have to deal with statements like this we've all said. I'm right. I deserve better. You always and you never, we even put on the other person like it's their fault for what we're dealing with. I can take care of it myself. I don't need your help. My way will be easier, better, faster. I don't know if you struggle with humility in your relationships, but I know I do. It hurts my family. It hurts my friends. And it hurts my church. We're going to jump in <clears throat> and we're going to break down the passage again that we just read. And we're going to read it over again because I want to just emphasize a few things. If you have your notes, you can take them out. First part, part one is the plea for unity. Important to know that this is Paul. Um, he's been follow, a follower of Jesus now for a while and he's been setting up churches and he loves this church. Like this is his pride and joy church. Like sometimes you just hear Paul jumping in bash and it takes chapter after chapter after chapter. Like you people do not get it. He loves this church. And, and what he's trying to tell them is look, I'm in jail, okay? <laughs> you know I'm pretty miserable, but yet in the whole first chapter he's telling them, I'm in jail, but Look at what God's doing. People are coming to Jesus. Church is growing. This is awesome. Be excited with me. He's in jail and he says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he's going to go through this any statements. And he says, there's any encouragement. Does he know that they have encouragement from being united with Christ? Absolutely. But if you have any comfort from his love. So he's saying, okay, any comfort. I don't need you to have all the comfort. But if you have any comfort from his love, if any comfort or common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then. What he's saying, church, is kind of what I would say to you here, is that this is a great church. I get it, you get it, I love this place. If you have any of these things, even just a little bit of it, then. And this is like the next thing he's saying, I already know you have it, but what next? What next? He says, then make my joy complete. Does it baffle any of you in here that a guy from in prison, being put in prison for talking about Jesus, a guy in prison is saying, not only does he have joy, he's got lots of joy, and somehow these people in this church can complete his joy. I just, this passage is just my favorite. It is just my favorite. And he says, then make my joy complete by what? Now he's gonna give some statements here, just like he did before. Here's some things I need you to make my joy complete. Be like-minded. Have the same love. Be one in spirit and mind. And then these are the biggies. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. So now he's saying that, okay, be like-minded. Be like-minded how? This is how. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others better than yourself. 
looking not only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Church, you want to make Pastor Dave's joy complete? I don't know if you know this, but he's been on sabbatical, and um, technically, I'm not a guest speaker. <laughs> I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't know that, my name is Mike. And uh, so the sabbatical is actually over, um, but he'll be back this next Sunday. You want to make his joy complete? Ten weeks ago, as we were sitting down and slating out who was going to be here, I, had the, I knew that I was going to be speaking this weekend, and I thought, this is my one chance to talk to the church right before Dave gets back from his big time of rest. I thought, what's the one thing, the one thing that I, I could implore all of us to make his joy complete? I mean, I obviously went straight to this. I'm like, this would be the one thing. Like, for every pastor, this is the crowning jewel of a church. Like, this is the thing being like-minded, and that somehow the people in this church don't look out just for their own interests. They look out for the interests of others. Like, that's what we want this place to be. And let me tell you, I'll get to this in a little bit, but that's what this place is. Very proud of this church. Um, I don't know if uh, anyone likes uh, the movie Princess Bride. Anybody like that movie? Yeah, give it up. Have you, have you've never seen Princess Bride? It's, it's worth watching. You're going to think this is so corny, but you're going to just fall in love with it. It's a great one. Um, one of the lines in there, again, in this corny part is uh, when this guy, gal meet and he's kind of this fom boy, the accent, right? Fom boy, fom boy. This is a lady talking, fetch me that picture. That's my best. I don't even know what accent that is. Tim's just shaking his head. I can't share it. Okay. Um, Fun boy, fetch me that picture. And what does he say? Everyone all together, as you wish. The humility in that is so cool. As you wish. Of course he fetches her the picture. And she kind of treats him that way, kind of puts him down through that whole first part, right? But that's kind of the picture here. I mean, not really. I mean, that's so stupid. But it kind of is, though. And let me tell you, in my life and even in my family and in my church, Considering somebody, more important, that they could literally order me around. Philippians 2, 5, the transition verse here says, In your relationships, in all of your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. That should blow you away. The same means the same. Like, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things Jesus does I'm just never going to be able to do. But here, the Bible tells me that this idea of having this attitude of Christ is possible. That we can have the same mindset of Jesus. So we're going to break down this next section here, kind of the middle part. And you're going to turn right now into the, you get to turn off the emotional part, now you get to turn on the intellectual part. We're all my, I love school people. They just went like this. This part's for you, okay? This is your little dance part. And for everybody else, let me tell you, if we don't get this part right, um, we can lead a lot of people astray. So this is huge. So here we go. We're going to jump in. Theology. So this is the example of unity um, Paul goes through. The example of unity, and the first theological point is Jesus is God. We know that from Philippians 2.6. Who? Being in very nature God. Being in very nature it's a, it is just, it is a part of his being. Impossible to pull that apart because he is God. In being in very nature God, do not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped or reached for. Um, we're going to go pretty fast through this part, so if you want to write these verses down real quick. John 8, 53, 58, and 59. 
say this about Jesus being God. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Abraham died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? They're asking Jesus, who do you think you are? You think you're better than Abraham? Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. Everyone say, I am. I am. Now, some people argue that Jesus is not claiming to be God here. Then what about the next part of the verse? If the people in his audience, if they're evaluating his I am statement, and people go through the word, and they're going to break it down, and people will say, Jesus is not claiming to be God. You got it wrong. And I say, you don't even have to know Greek to do it. Just look, just read the rest of the verse. Listen to what it says. It says this, um, that after he said this, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. <laughs> I don't think they were confused what he was claiming and who he was claiming to be. John 1, 1 through 3. Passage has been used to talk about Jesus being God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In other words, if you take Jesus out of it, creation wouldn't have happened. <laughs> so when you go all the way back to Genesis now, Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is God. You cannot go through this passage and not get that central point. Next theology point, Jesus is man. Let's just continue in Philippians 2. Jesus is man. Philippians 2, 7 to 8 says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So hold on for just a minute there. The difference between us people and God is that God made himself, what's the word? Nothing. Like that's the distance. The distance between God and man is that he is God and yet he made himself nothing. Nothing. He took on the role of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. First, he is now appearance of a man. He came as a little baby. Isn't that the coolest thing? This is the true Christmas story. And then he humbled himself even more to become obedient to death. Now, that might not seem like a big thing to you, but this is God saying, I will not just come down, step one, and being found in human likeness, and I will empty myself and make myself nothing, Part two, I will put myself under the penalty of Adam and Eve's sin. Like, do you guys get that? Obedient to death means he's saying, I will put myself under the penalty of death. That's massive. But not only that, not just death, but death on a cross. And we all know what the picture of Jesus and the, the death on a cross meant. And how humiliating that was. So from the very beginning, the huge separation between us and God is that compared to God, we're nothing. Not only that, Jesus then said, and I'll even become obedient to death. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve to die, but I will, okay, I'll become obedient to that. Then he said, you can even crucify me. Philippians 2. Jesus is man. A few quick points here. He voluntarily put himself under. He voluntarily obeyed death and he voluntarily endured the cross. 
John 1.14 proves this again, that Jesus is man. John 1.14, the word became flesh. So you had John 1.1, 1, 1, the word was God, the word was with God, right from the beginning. Then John 1.14, the word then became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Last theological point we want to grab here. Jesus is fully God and fully man, complete and inseparable. Let's continue on in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him, exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, people who are, you know, in the awful hot spot, um, right? That they're going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. In other words, from the beginning of time, no matter where you are now and to right now and anyone that's going to come, every knee will bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of who? To God the Father. Jesus humbled himself. God exalted his son. So what? So God gets the glory. That's our example of humility. Our example of of unity. And why do I say unity there? Example of unity because here is, is the, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus is going to empty himself, leave that unity, but yet within that he knows he's bringing glory to the Father. And church, let me just tell you, this makes all of us pastor folks brag on y'all like it does. We brag when our people get it. The last, sorry, this is the last theological point. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. This whole middle section here reminds me of my uh, oldest daughter when she was just a brand new baby. So any, any new parents, soon to be new parents? Okay, soon to be new parents, you guys have read the books? Okay, my wife gave me books. Like, she literally gave me homework. Like, she's all, you're going to need help. <laughs> so she did. She gave me books, and we went through the books, and I, I thought I was doing pretty good. We're about two weeks in. About two o'clock in the morning, give or take. I say, sweetie, you're about to get up, because I know the baby's crying. Sweet little Brooke is crying. But let me just tell you, I think we should talk about it, because I think she's manipulating you. Every mom just laughed in here right now. Now look, I read the books. You know what the books say? Kids learn very quickly that, hey, I know how to get mom in here. <laughs> I don't want to be alone. <laughs> and they learn to manipulate mom. Now, why did every mom in here laugh? <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> they don't know nothing. They can't manipulate anything. I had no idea. No one went through and said, okay, it's gonna, every kid's different, but maybe it takes two months, three months. I didn't get that part, or maybe if it was in there, I just forgot it. I just figured they're not going to manipulate my wife. <laughs> so Mindy said something like to me, he says, maybe instead of having this discussion about what good parenting is, you should just get up and go hold your little girl, see if she needs a new diaper or a bottle. And I'm like, it's more fun to talk about it, and then both of us get to sit here. <laughs> I share that story because that's what happens in passages like this. And it happens to me. And if you're like the super nerd person, you get to this section and we get all excited about the theology. In fact, 
theologians go through and they make up words to make this concept of Jesus being fully God and fully man. And they try to come up with a concept and they put a word on it to make it simpler. Do you know what the word for this is? Hypostatic union. <laughs> Thanks for the help, guys. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't help us understand it. You're not supposed to understand it. A, this isn't trying to teach you theology about Jesus and that he's all God, he's all man. Now, is that true? Yes. Did I give other verses that say that? Yes, it's true. If you, at any point, like if you have the two lines here, say Jesus is God, Jesus is man. If you go too far on this side of the line, say Jesus is just God, he's not man. You're completely wrong. That's heresy. We know that. Vice versa, if you say Jesus is fully man, he's just like a prophet or a good dude and he's not God, ha, that's heresy. That's no good. Somehow you have to put those two things together and some people vary in this space between here. I don't know, that just doesn't really matter to me. All that matters is he's fully God, he's fully man. Let's just end it. I'm okay with that. He's God. We're gonna try to put him in this little box. And The problem is, that's not what this whole passage in this middle section is all about. At all. We're supposed to look at that and not get focused on just learning something, but doing something doing something. This is supposed to change what we do. Paul's trying to tell his church, he's like, guys, look, I got this great thing I can't wait to tell you. Make my joy complete. Just humble yourselves. Think about the people around you in your community and the people around the world. Like, just humble yourself. Go to Mexico. Be crazy. Like, do, do things that people should go to India. Like, um, how about just go into the school system and hang out, go to a basketball game. I don't know, but I'm telling you, somehow this is a doing passage and not just a learning exercise. That's the whole point of it. I'd love to hear us as a church redefine digging deeper to being deeper. Every time I hear someone say, we're going to dig deep, I go, you're going to go serve some homeless people? <laughs> okay. I, I laugh at that, but let me tell you, this passage is about doing. Real quick, I have to stop here and do a quick mic pause. So um, part three here is false humility. And I have to talk about this just for a minute because this is critical. The first lie is I'm not worthy. <clears throat> I'm not worthy. In fact, Mike, if you really looked at me and looked at my life, I'm actually worthless. And this looks like humility. I, I, these people feel small. And if you talk to them and you talk to people who are dealing with this false humility, it's almost always a comparison game. Like compared to these people, I'm just not worthy. And I think our society, the more self-focused we get, the more depressed we get. Let me tell you, you have an enemy that's trying to lie to you, saying you're, not only are you not worthy, you're worthless. You're worth less than all those other people. Based on the passage I just read, what are you worth? Huh. The God. The God in the three persons would humble himself and come down to show you that God wants to be close to you and loves you. That's your worth. Not only that he would come down, like that's enough to just come down, to take on a form so we could relate with him. But then he become obedient to death for you. That's what you're worth. And then obedient to death on a cross. So no matter what you struggle with in life, no matter what your pain, what your agony, who's betrayed you, whatever awful things have happened to you, you are worthy of the cross that Jesus bore. Someone say amen to that. 
It's important to note at this point that some of you feel worthless because someone has made you feel worthless. Let me just tell you what abuse is not. Abuse is not what Jesus did. Abuse is not willingly putting yourself under. Did Jesus get abused when he went to the cross? Yeah. Who put him there? Who put him there? Jewish leaders? Yeah, crucified, so Roman people, like, who put him there? He did. He did. Some of you are in tough situations and you're, you're even in a home, even if you're a kiddo or um, when you were a kid, you were put in a position where you didn't have a voluntary choice. Let me just tell you that abuse is not humility. Abuse is not humility. It's just wrong. <laughs> It's just wrong. And I'm sorry that somebody made you feel worthless. But at the same time, I can tell you that Jesus gives you your worth and your value. Jesus says crazy things like, you know what? With how much I love you, you can forgive your enemies and even pray for your enemies. Those people that abused you, made you feel worthless. Jesus is so good and what he did is so huge that you're gonna pray for them. And I just pray like, Father, forgive them. Help me forgive them. You're going to pray good things on their life. Father, bless them. Bless those who persecute you. Lie number two, false humility. I'm not forgiven. In fact, Mike, if you knew what I did, I'm unforgivable. I'm unforgivable. These are often religious people that turn very judgmental. Religious people who do all kinds of weird, um, uh, like these are people in the Bible who would fast and everyone knew they were fasting. They like to look religious because they're super spiritual because they hate their sins so much. Forgiven people, forgiven people love much and are quick to forgive. Let me tell you this church, instead of being selfish, critical, judgmental, entitled, arrogant, or complaining, this church, let me tell you, is known for its humility. I'm proud of this church. And here's the unity payoff. Matthew 20, 26 to 28. It might not be up on the screen or in your program, but not so with you instead. Whoever wants to become, this is Jesus talking, whoever wants to become great among you, who wants to win, who wants to be great, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many proud of this church. This church meets together weekly in circle groups, admitting they can't do it alone. If you aren't in one, you need to get in one. I don't even care how hard it is for you. I don't think we make it even that easy. So get in one. Admit that you can't do this life alone. You need help. We all do. We have people in here that are older that have given up their personal music taste because we don't sing the old songs that they used to like, but they get that it's about the next generation. Considering others above yourself I love this church. I love this church. It gives up their time to serve at memorial services, outreach events, weekend services every Sunday, and selling fireworks. And who knows how hot it's going to be, but you know what? We'll be sweating together, considering others more important than ourselves, that maybe a student comes to know Jesus because we sat in a booth and made someone buy a big bang box full of wasted money fireworks. <laughs> someone found Jesus because of that, right? If you've worked in the fire, but that's how we think. We have people 
who give up their resources. I mean, even with Pastor Dave gone, no one was like, well, hey, he's not here. I'm not giving my money. It's not about Dave. It's about Jesus. Proud of this church. This church gives 10% of all of its income to missions. We want to model for you what exactly we believe the Bible says. We have a church who voluntarily sent their pastor on a sabbatical. You folks are beautiful people. Yeah, give it up. You can give it up for that. I love that. You know what? Some churches are known for being, again, judgmental, critical, theological snobs. They hold on to tradition over obedience, but not this place. Church, when you come here, do you come in here to be served or to serve? When Dave comes back next week, are you ready to do whatever he asks of us? He's been away trying to say, God, what do you want for this church? He's going to come back, and over the next five weeks, ten weeks, I don't know how long it's going to be, he's going to light a fire under us, and are you ready to go? Consider others better than ourselves, and, and we want to honor God. Now, here's the tough one for me, and I got a quick little tool for you. You're home. I believe that this church, although the church is functioning in a beautiful way, and you guys are all humble, willing servants, but our families are under attack. Do you deserve to walk into your home and to be served or to serve? See, Philippians 2 said, hey, have the same attitude, same mindset as Christ. In fact, in all of your relationships, have the same attitude. So here's a quick little tool. This is to Mike personally. Use it, don't use it. But a new thing that I'm learning is that uh, often I've, I've been, I'm a huge fan of marriage counseling. If you haven't been, oh, you got to go. It's great. But along the way, I think I picked up a bad habit and I've been trying to change that. And the bad habit was, you know, I get hurt. My feelings get hurt or whatever. And often I'll say things like, it hurt me when you. You guys ever heard that? In it's a great one because it hurt, it hurt me when you did that. I started thinking about this and I've been trying to do this. I'm in a men's circle and we've been chatting about stuff like this. And this is what I've been trying to do instead of that. I've been trying to do what Jesus did when he's on the cross and he's looking at all these people and he just says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And let me tell you, in my house, my kids, my wife, I just don't think they know that they're hurting me because if they did, they wouldn't do it. I just don't think so. And I know because I don't want to hurt them. So instead of saying anything or holding a list, what I'm working on is trying to just say, forgive me, they have no idea how bad that hurt. They have no idea. And I try to see how quick I can move from being sad and all about me to all about how can I serve. And it's trying to not do a practical thing like do a dish, but um, often, I don't know about you, but my relationships are weird. I want to have like a distance thing. And God's just teaching me, and again, this might not be for you, but how fast can I re-engage and reconnect? Um, I'd love to tell you that I'm doing great. <laughs> it's just a struggle, and I can admit it, you can admit it. But let me tell you, folks, in our homes, if we have this humility that Jesus modeled, it's a game changer. Um, it, it, you remember at the beginning of the message, I talked about the trailer hookup, the fastest trailer hookup in the history of my life and yours, Bob. <laughs> um, the very next trailer hookup, just a few hours later, um, was the longest trailer hookup of my life. Longer than any time I helped Bob Longer than any time I've helped anybody else, a person backing up to hook up a boat on water ski trips, which I did a ton. For whatever reason, I'm this guy and go this way, this much. Got it. Um, the longest one. I did the same backup, not as fast because I already won. <laughs> um, I back up, I get lined up. It's actually perfect. I can tell on the computer. I come out and Bob's standing there watching me. 
put the thing down and it just won't engage. It won't connect. I crank it up, look at it. Minutes go by and Bob's standing there and without saying a word, next thing I know when I come back, Bob is lying down underneath the trailer hitch looking up at it and he starts sticking his fingers in there. Now all I can think first I don't know if you've ever seen that movie where the train comes together and they hitch together like this and the guy gets his hand stuck in there. I'm thinking, he's going to lose a finger. Well, Bob, Bob, don't worry about it. It's okay. He's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And he's doing whatever. I think I found the problem. Here's the problem. Here's Bob lying on his back, knowing that with the physical things I deal with with my back and my issues, he's not going to let me lie down on the ground, try to fix the trailer hitch. That humility is just a part of Bob's life. And I'm not saying he's perfect because we all know he's not, but we all, I should have, sorry, Bob, I should have said we all really know he's not perfect, um, but it's a mark of his life. Like if you know him, you would know that that's a mark of his life. And um, I certainly appreciate it. And knowing I was going to speak on this, I literally said to Bob, hey, just so you know, that'll preach. <laughs> and let me tell you, it should preach everywhere. Let me tell you when Pastor Dave gets back and he sees this place, what if he came in and said, this is where we need to go, church, and we actually did it? Well, what could happen? That's the humility, unity, payoff. A powerful church. Let's pray. Father, I do not deserve to be standing here. Um, I can't believe I get to read, let, read this passage, let alone try to teach it to folks. This passage is just hits me every time. It is what I need to change about me. And God, I pray for anyone in here, maybe even for the first time that they realize they need to humble themselves before you, Lord. And they do need to call you, Lord, instead of waiting until it's too late, that today's the day they're going to call you, Lord. Maybe that's you today. If you need to submit and surrender your life and humble yourself before a holy God, pray something like this. God, you exist. I know you do. I have no clue what's next but I will follow you instead of follow me. I will humble myself. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly coming down here. I will now live for you instead of me. If you prayed that short little thing, can you just look up at me? Maybe raise your hand so I can see where you are. I got one in the front. Anybody else? Another one in the back right there. Anybody up in the, the loft? Another one in the front right over here. Wow. Let's continue praying. Father, <laughs> Father, if you look out at us and you do not see humble people, will you humble us? I mean, that's my prayer here, is that you would humble us, that we'll be people who are on our face before you, that we get that you are huge, and yet you wanted to feel and us to feel close with you. <laughs> Thank you. We love you, we love your son, we love your word, we love one another. Pray this in your son's name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast with Sun Grove Church. We hope it was really encouraging for you in your walk with Christ and that you have some things to apply moving forward, some inspiration for the present and some hope about what God is doing in your past. 
We're so grateful to be doing life with you. We would love to be connected as part of the global community of believers and to encourage you in your walk with Christ. You can find that at www.sungrove.org or on social media at Sungrove Church.